Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode on the Unfinished Podcast. I'm Pastor Don, and I'm coming to you uh, once again with a series that we call Monday Musings, which is where I tackle some issue or scripture or something that I think is important for us to consider in the coming week. Uh, This week, uh, for the last while, we've been doing scripture verses as we've been working our way through Lent, and I actually kind of want to continue that trend for a while here. Uh, This week, I want to look at uh, a scripture passage that was in the lectionary this past week, but which I think is actually one of the best examples of how we tend to read the Bible and skip the context in it and sometimes wind up drawing the wrong lesson. So where we're going to look at comes from the book of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 28. Oh, sorry, through 29. Uh, those of you uh, who know your Bible will be familiar, of course, with this, the story of uh, Thomas, the disciple, doubting after the resurrection. So I'm going to read it. I want you to listen to it, and then I'm going to talk to you a little bit about how we understand this. So it begins in chapter, nine, or chapter 20, verse 19. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, until I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, If you believe because you have seen me, blessed are those who have not seen and yet come to believe. All right, this is a well-known story. Like, (laughs) the phrase doubting Thomas has entered into the lexicon as a guy who just plain don't believe stuff. Um, But I want us to kind of backtrack and look at what really happened here. The simple reading of this is to say Thomas doubted that Jesus was alive and needed proof. And how dare he just not believe because it's better to believe without having ever seen. That, that's kind of the, the general read on this that has been used for a long time. Now, those of you who have heard me preach on this before will know that I tend to take a slightly different approach with this. And note how when uh, Jesus shows up to Thomas, he at no point condemns him Uh, for having doubts, and in fact, takes the step of putting his doubts to rest in exactly the way that Thomas needed them put to rest so that he might believe. By itself, we see uh, a passage where Thomas expresses doubt, and where Jesus rises to recognize that doubt, and rather than 
calling that doubt invalid meets it where it is and seeks to address it, which is a really healthy way of dealing with doubt in a leadership situation, if nothing else. But I want to look at the sequence of events here, broader, beyond the context of just this passage. You see, <clears throat> from the perspective of the disciples, and indeed of Thomas as well, as one of the disciples, what had happened was that they were part of a radical Jewish movement which had sought to institute the messiahship of Jesus Christ, which had thought, sought to recognize this peaceful healer as the promised Messiah, a fact which we all know now to be true. And then they killed him. They took the, the person who was, for lack of any other understanding from an outside force, the head of their movement, and killed him dead in the most miserable, brutal way possible. They were being hunted. Their movement was broken. Organizationally speaking, this was a situation where everybody was not in any mindset to know what to do next. There was no more leader. Uh, Peter was, you know, by God or by Jesus, put as kind of the head of the, the, the Jesus group here. But after Jesus himself was executed in this way and people were starting to scatter to the winds, there wasn't a group for him to be in charge of. The disciples were disciples of no one at this point. So then it's evening on that, on that day. It's the first day of the week. We're past the resurrection where the, the, the Lord has appeared to the women. And these disciples are gathered into a house. They're in fear of the Jews. They don't know what they're going to do next. Their group's scattered. Things are broken. And Jesus shows up. This is exactly what's needed. Exactly what's needed to bring this broken group together, to motivate them, to unite them around the the structure that Jesus had put in place before he was crucified. It's great. I mean, that's how God works. God often works in these very precise ways where you're given just exactly what's needed at just the right time. But Thomas wasn't there. Thomas wasn't there. So he's not looking at this from the perspective of, oh boy, a miracle has happened. When the disciples come to him and say, hey, guess what? Jesus appeared, but you happen to not be there. So yeah, let's uh, keep to our, our authority structure and let's keep doing the thing. Thomas <laughs> immediately doubts. And when you realize it in that context, you can hardly blame him because from the perspective of someone who didn't see the miracle, this doesn't look like a miracle I just happen to not be present for. This looks like Peter's done making some stuff up so that he can be in charge again. And that's not cool. Like, this is a thing that we humans do all the time when our authority is challenged, when our you know, place of privilege and power that we've had at the right hand of Jesus for so long, when that right hand isn't there anymore and we need some other justification to keep us in place, we sometimes make stuff up. Like that's a human thing to do. And from Thomas's perspective, it kind of makes more sense that that's what Peter's doing and the disciples are kind of backing him up because what else are they going to do? And so in this place, Thomas's doubt almost seems righteous, right? Like he's sitting there saying, no, this isn't the way we do it. Like we don't have to make this up. You, you, all right, you, you prove to me that this is a Jesus thing. If you want this to be Jesus, if that's your claim, 
then I need it to be verified because otherwise you're just making stuff up and that does a dishonor to the name of the one we serve. Thomas is doing his due diligence here. He's standing up to what very well may be from his perspective a corruption in leadership, a power grab of someone using the name of Jesus to manufacture authority for themselves or themselves as the case is with the disciples. As it turns out, of course, Thomas is wrong about that, but that doesn't make his move to doubt wrong. And I think this is why Jesus doesn't condemn him, because Thomas in this moment was right to question his leadership, to say, hold on a minute. Uh, This is awfully convenient for you guys that Jesus just happened to appear in a locked room where you were, uh, but I wasn't there and other people weren't there and gives you the the go-ahead to keep going with the ministry, that is a really, really, really convenient story. I'm going to need more than your word on that. And so when Jesus shows up the next time, he recognizes that and he says, look, here's the hands, here's the side, now do you get it? He's not condemning him. He's not saying, oh, you poor man who had little faith. He's saying, <laughs> right, all right, that's fair. And then he goes on to say, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet come to believe. That is laying the groundwork for what's going to come. Jesus saying, look, I'm not going to be able to do this for everyone. That's not how this is going to work. Your doubts are valid. But now we have to find a way to bring this forward. Because I'm not going to lead the ministry you guys are. It's a call to action. First, Jesus fixes the possibility of corruption. First, Jesus quells the doubts of those who are in his circle of leadership here. This is something that's important, too. When you're dealing with a question of corrupt leadership, is that it's Jesus who sets those doubts aside. When there is a leadership that just looks, oh, that's awfully convenient that what you want uh, is what's actually going to happen here, When people question that, Jesus steps in and says, yes, this is true. But when Jesus doesn't step in and say that, then asking those questions is a valid exercise. In the end, the push and pull of human dynamics around authority is a difficult and complicated thing. And in this passage here with Thomas, we don't get Jesus saying, you were wrong to doubt. And we don't get Jesus saying that doubt is wrong. In fact, as I've often said, doubt is held up as a good and reasonable thing. But the doubt here goes beyond simply, I'm not sure if I believe this Jesus happened to be around like you said. This is Thomas casting light on what might be, from his perspective, a really shady situation. Like, I know these guys, but this is just too convenient. And when he casts that doubt, he is not met with condemnation from the Lord, but he is met with proof, with verification. Jesus, indeed the Holy Spirit itself, comes into us to verify if something that seems convenient is truly of God. That's where the discernment comes in, where we need to listen to the Spirit and pray and be active in that, because when something seems too easy or too convenient, that's how we tell. Is the Spirit involved? Or is this just convenience? Anyway, that's a little bit of food for thought for the coming week. I hope that's a 
a, uh, a thing that sits with some of you this week. In the meantime, uh, I have already begun sharing memes about this on the Discord server because, hey, that's a fun thing to do. Uh, so if you're not on the Discord server yet, I really want to encourage you to jump in over there. That is uh, a place that is popping. That's a place where we're having conversations and things are going on. Uh, join us over there. Our next in-person worship service is coming up this Sunday at 2 p.m. at Ashia Christian Church in, believe it or not, Ashia here in Kobe, Japan. Uh, if you're in the area, I really hope you will join us for that. You can get information on that, our, our upcoming worship service, our other upcoming programs, the Discord server, YouTube channel, this podcast, and everything else on our website. Links to this are all down in the description. But beyond all of that, I just want to let you know that no matter what you're going through, no matter what your challenge is this week, that I'm thinking about you, that I'm praying for you, and God is with you too. Take care.